0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today's story is a legend from ancient Greece. I'm going to be telling the story of Typhon. And, of course, well, when I say I, I mean Nanny Piggins. So, here we go. The Legend of Typhon, as told by Nanny Piggins. Samantha was sitting at the coffee table in the living room, struggling with her geography homework. Are you all right, Samantha, Asked Nanny Piggins kindly. You know, I'm all too happy to bite your geography teacher for you. You just say the word. I've always maintained that homework is cruel and unusual punishment that should be outlawed under the Geneva Convention. So you don't even need a reason for me to bite him. The fact that he even set an assignment is just cause enough already. No jury in the land would convict me. I'm pretty sure they would, muttered Derek. Well, yes, maybe they would, conceded Nanny Piggins. Humans are so pedantic with their laws and their concerns for personal safety and their prevention of cruelty to humans laws. Obviously, I don't believe in cruelty to humans, but I'm not convinced some of these teachers are 100% human. Biting them on the shin may not get them to change their ways, but at least it would allow me to ascertain once and for all if they were a robot clone sent from a distant galaxy to slowly take over our planet by boring the children of the world to death. You did promise the police sergeant you would stop testing people to see if they're robot clones, Michael reminded her. I know, grumbled Nanny Piggins. It's not fair, though. I only do it for the good of the community. People should be grateful. Autography can be all right, said Samantha. She was a kind girl. She was not lying when she said this, except perhaps to herself. I liked learning about all of Italy's imports and exports. That was fun because there was a lot of talk about food, and for some reason I find it easier to remember food. But now we're supposed to be learning about the geological formations on the island of Sicily. The geology of the island of Sicily, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. Why didn't you say so? I know all about that. You do? asked Derek. This was somewhat surprising. Geography was not Nanny Piggins' strongest subject. She had travelled all around the world many times during her years as a travelling circus star, but she learned most of her facts about those countries from other circus stars. As a result, she had some unusual ideas. For example, her explanation of why the country Turkey was called Turkey bore absolutely no relation to the truth – although it was a fantastic tale about a great-great-aunt of hers who was a turkey with elite chainsaw-juggling skills. "'Oh, yes,' said Nanny Piggins, "'I know all about the formation of Sicily "'because one of my relatives was there when it happened.' "'Really?' said Michael. But the mountains formed millions of years ago, said Samantha. Yes, my relatives go back a long way, said Nanny Piggins. In fact, my cousin Cadmus Piggins had a great deal to do with the course of events. You could say that if it weren't for her epic levels of heroic duplicity, Mount Etna on the island of Sicily would not exist. "Okay, you're going to have to tell us the story from the beginning, said Derek. I'm confused already. Well, you sit there while I whip up some Bugazza, said Nanny Piggins. If I'm going to tell you a story about ancient Greece, we'll need the appropriate snacks. But Sicily is in Italy, not Greece, said Samantha. It is, isn't it? Derrick nodded. "'It is now,' said Nanny Piggins, "'but it wasn't always. "'Loads of different kings, "'the vast majority of them wicked, "'have ruled Sicily over the years. "'It's right slap-bang in the middle of the Mediterranean, "'surrounded by Italy, Greece, North Africa and Spain. "'Throughout history, "'it's been treated like the prize in a pass-the-parcel.' Besides, when you go back far enough into the history of storytelling, you get to the ancient Greek gods, and they had egos so huge they were not going to let a little thing like national boundaries hinder their movements. In fact, I don't think national boundaries were invented till much later, probably by a boring geography teacher who liked drawing maps. Twenty minutes later, after much hasty cooking in the kitchen, Nanny Piggins returned with two trays of Bugazza, shoved seven large pieces in her mouth, and sat down ready to begin her tale. As I said, it all started back in the ancient Greek story days, said Nanny Piggins. I've told you stories about Zeus and Poseidon and Hera and all the other gods up on Mount Olympus. They really could be shockingly wicked people. they weren't people, Derek pointed out. Yes, I know, said Nanny Piggins testily. She did not like being interrupted. But they spent half their time pretending to be people or swans or bulls or other harebrained things. Excuse me if I find it hard to keep track. She glared hard at Derek, shoved another five pieces of Bugazza in her mouth, and continued with her story. Anyway, as I was saying, said Nanny Piggins, those gods were carrying on having their adventures in the ancient story days. But if you go back even further in time, before the ancient Greek story days were the really ancient Greek story days. Before Zeus and all the other gods, or the Immortals, as they like to be known, before the Immortals were born, the world was ruled by terrible monsters called titans. Well, where did they come from? asked Michael. I don't know, Snapped nanny piggins. I don't know everything. Just most things, especially about cake. I do know almost everything about cake, but there's always room for improvement. But I do know these titans were horrible. They were great big monsters like trolls or ogres with horrific features like snake tails and horn heads and really bad breath. Gosh, I thought the ancient story days were bad enough, said Samantha. The really ancient story days must have been awful. Yes, they were, said Nanny Piggins. The whole world was full of brutal, savage chaos. Needless to say, if you're running away from snake-tailed giant trolls your whole life, you're never going to be able to pause long enough to enjoy a bit of cake, let alone take the time to bake one. It was a horrible time in history. So when Zeus, Poseidon and Hades were born, said Nanny Piggins, they were brothers, you know, they decided things needed to be sorted out. They wanted to create a world where there was peace and prosperity and beauty. I think even though cake had not been invented yet, on some deep level, they were yearning for it. They wanted to create a world where people would have time to experiment with flour, sugar, butter and eggs. And that is what they did. They spent years going around fighting all the Titans. They fought some, they killed some, and they drove some off. When all the Titans were gone, Greece was finally at peace. What about the rest of the world? asked Derek. What do you mean? asked Nanny Piggins. Well, you said that Zeus and his brothers drove the Titans out of Greece, said Derek but what about the rest of the world? Who saved them? Oh, I see what you mean, said Nanny Piggins. They didn't count. You see, back in the ancient story days, the Greek people thought Greece was the entire world. It's a common delusion most people in most countries suffer to this very day. Now, if you ever want to hear the end of this story, you better just accept that as it is. If we start having a philosophical discussion about man's inhumanity to man, we'll never get through the tale before you have to go to school tomorrow. Derek didn't particularly want to have a philosophical discussion either. Sorry, continue, he urged. But there was one particular titan who was born a long way away from Greece, all the way over in Asia, said Nanny Piggins. He heard that Zeus was driving all the titans away from Greece, so this titan decided to keep clear of Greece until he'd grown up to his full size. And this titan was called Typhon. What, like typhoon? asked Michael. Yes, said Nanny Piggins, except it's spelled with just one O. It's probably where they get the word typhoon from. So many words we use today come from the ancient Greek story days. The people who make up words can be dreadfully lazy sometimes. They just keep reusing old ones. So, what was Typhon like? asked Samantha. Was he like a typhoon? Did he spin around in a raging wind and storm? No, but good guess, said Nanny Piggins. That would have been impressive. No, Typhon was a massive, huge, enormous giant. Gosh, said Michael. Typhon had clawed hands, bat-like wings, and most horrifically of all, he had a hundred heads with forked tongues that breathed fire. The children didn't say anything to this. They were so horrified they almost wished they hadn't asked their nanny to tell the story. But Nanny Piggins was enjoying herself. Typhon was so huge that when he waded out into the Mediterranean, the water only came up to his knees. And when he stood on land, the stars became entangled in his hair. Hang about. I thought you said he had a hundred dragon heads, said Derek. Dragons don't have hair. They're a type of lizard. Also, the nearest star, other than the sun, is 40 trillion kilometers away. Surely he wasn't that tall, said Samantha. Would you stop applying logic and reason to my hyperbole, said Nanny Piggins. If we start applying scientific logic to stories, the entire world of make-believe will collapse under very little scrutiny, and all you'll have to read at bedtime is the periodic table. Sorry, Nanny Piggins, said Derek. So anyway, as I was saying, Typhon was big and horrible, and when he was fully grown, he waded across the sea from North Africa, determined to climb Mount Olympus and kill all the immortals. Now, the immortals can be very silly sometimes with all their wine drinking and partying and vengeance plots, but they were not total nincompoops. When the enormous hundred-headed monster came for them, they all ran away. But they were gods, said Michael. Even gods have to know their limitations, said Nanny Piggins, and they all did. So they ran away to Egypt, where they hid themselves as animals. You may have seen ancient Egyptian pictures of a man with the head of an eagle or a man with the head of a bull. Those were the Greek gods in disguise. They weren't very good at disguising themselves, not very subtle. But in their defence, costume shops had not been invented yet either. The only immortal to remain behind on Mount Olympus was Zeus himself, king of the gods. He promised to kill Typhon so it'd be safe for everyone else to return. So Zeus sat alone in his palace, waiting for Typhon to turn up. And when he did, they went for it. They had the biggest, angriest, roughest, toughest fight ever in history, prehistory, or probably future history as well. They wrestled and punched and kicked and bit each other. They bit each other, asked Michael. Yes, well, the Queensbury rules of boxing had not been invented yet either, said Nanny Piggins. Cheating was allowed back then. Typhon's heads breathed fire at Zeus, and Zeus threw back his lightning bolts. The fight went on for days and days. They both got lots of injuries, but as the fight wore on, Zeus steadily began to get the upper hand. He had more strength and courage, and he was better looking, which always counts for more than it should in stories. Typhon knew he was about to be beaten, so he summoned every last ounce of his remaining strength, grabbed hold of a sickle that Zeus just happened to have lying around. The story of the sickle is a whole other story in itself. I'll have to tell you that one another time. Anyway, Typhon grabbed the sickle and with this last spurt of energy, sliced the sinews out of Zeus's arms and legs. Samantha? The sinews, said Derek. What does that even mean, asked Michael. Well, I don't have a medical degree, said Nanny Piggins. Universities are so picky about who they give those out to. So I'm not sure exactly what the ancient Greeks meant by sinews. I assume they meant the tendons or the ligaments, or perhaps both. Anyway, all you need to know is that once Typhon cut the sinews out of Zeus's arms and legs, the muscles were no longer attached to the bones, so he couldn't move. Not at all. Plus, he had lots of other injuries from the fight, so all Zeus could do was lie on the floor in terrible pain and probably feeling a little bit silly being the most powerful god in Olympus when he couldn't even move his arms to brush his teeth because he was totally sinewless. Typhon had been terribly injured the fight too, so he grabbed the sinews and ran away. He found a cave and hid the sinews inside, then collapsed on the ground outside, too weak to do anything but wait for his wounds to heal. "'He didn't even put a Band-Aid on his saw bits?' asked Michael. "'He was too exhausted even to eat a slice of medicinal lemon cake,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Meanwhile, the rest of the immortals realised that Typhon was gone "'and returned to Mount Olympus,' said Nanny Piggins. "'They were really shocked to find Zeus lying in the middle of the floor. "'It was quite a come down for him. "'Usually Zeus flew about the sky, hurling thunderbolts at people "'and kidnapping any beautiful girls he saw.' ''Oh my goodness, Zeus,'' said Apollo. ''What do you want us to do?'' Now he was really hoping Zeus wouldn't say, ''Would you mind killing Typhon for me?'' Luckily Zeus did not. While he was lying there on the ground, Zeus came up with a cunning plan. ''Typhon will expect one of the immortals to attack him now,'' said Zeus. ''He will be on his guard against that. So we must send a mortal, a human to approach him.'' ''Good idea,'' said Apollo, deeply relieved it wasn't going to be him.'' "'Do we know anyone stupid enough? I mean, brave enough to do that?' asked Pan. "'There is a woman,' said Zeus. Or rather, a pig. "'But she's so beautiful, she's even more beautiful than the most beautiful woman. "'And her name is Cadmus. Cadmus Piggins.' "'Wow, is that one of your relatives?' asked Michael. "'Indeed,' said Nanny Piggins. "'I may have wronged her a little bit a few years ago,' said Zeus.' I kidnapped her sister, married her and refused to return her. Cadmus's family were really cross about that. And so Cadmus has roamed the earth searching for me so she could kill me and get her sister back. So you can tell Cadmus I forgive her for being cross with me and I will give her a whole country to rule over if she does me one little favor. Wait a minute, said Derek. But if Zeus kidnapped Cadmus's sister, then he was the one in the wrong. Why is he saying he will forgive Cadmus when he's the one who did the bad thing? "'Ah, you see, wicked people often get their morality turned upside down,' explained Nanny Piggins, probably from doing too many handstands. Zeus's point of view was entirely the opposite of what it should have been. It's quite common amongst morally bankrupt people.' So anyway, Apollo and Pan went to Cadmus and told her the plan. "'You want me to take on a monster so fierce it almost killed Zeus, king of the gods?' asked Cadmus. "'Yes,' said Apollo and Pan. Do you have some sort of magical weapon you could lend me? Asked Cadmus. Something that's good for hurting monsters. Perhaps that sickle he used on Zeus. Oh, said Apollo. We didn't think to bring that with us. You could use this, said Pan, holding out his panpipes to Cadmus. Panpipes? asked Cadmus. Now, if you don't know what panpipes are, they're a musical instrument, sort of like a whistle, or really a dozen whistles strapped together in a line. They all have different notes, but they're only made out of hollowed out reed, so they're not really the most fearsome weapon. What do you want me to do with that? asked Cadmus. Throw it at his head, because Typhon's got a hundred heads, so you'd need to lend me another 99 Panpipes? No, said Pam, use it to play him a tune. My panpipes play a melody so beautiful it will soothe even the most savage beast. Fine, said Cadmus, but I've no idea how you all came to be immortals when you're so bad at planning and preparation. So Cadmus dressed up as a shepherd and wandered down into the valley where they knew Typhon was recovering, and she played the panpipes as she wandered. At this stage, Typhon was feeling really sorry for himself. Waiting for wounds to heal without the help of band-aids was really horrible and boring. When he heard the panpipes, it made his soul lift. It put a smile on all 100 of his faces. "'Come here, shepherd! Typhon called out, "'and play me some more music. "'I can bear my pains better when I hear such a sweet tune.'" So Cadmus came closer and played some more. "'Oh, that's really beautiful,' said Typhon. He was a great music appreciationist, surprising what with him being a horrible monster. "'Oh, I'm so glad to cheer you up,' said Cadmus. "'I'm just sorry that you can't hear my lyre.' "'What?' said Typhon. "'Well, you're obviously such a great music aficionado,' said Cadmus. "'You have impeccable taste. "'So you'd really like my lyre because the music I can play with that is even more beautiful than the music I play with my panpipes.' ''Then you must play this lyre for me,'' demanded Typhon. ''Oh, of course, I'd be glad to,'' said Cadmus. ''Sadly, though, there was an avalanche and a boulder fell on my lyre last week. It totally destroyed the strings. I can't play it until I re-string the lyre, and to do that I'd need to find some sinews. Sinews make the best lyre strings, you know.'' ''Why, I happen to have some sinews,'' said Typhon. ''You do?'' said Cadmus. "'What a coincidence. Could I borrow them?' "'Oh, yes, so long as you promise to play for me,' said Typhon. "'Of course,' said Cadmus. "'It will take me a while to restring the lyre. It's a tricky job. "'But if you give me the sinews now, I'll take them back to my shack, "'restring the lyre tonight, and come back to play you some tunes tomorrow.' "'Oh, gosh, that'll be lovely,' said Typhon. He hobbled over to the cave, found Zeus's sinews, brought them out and handed them over to Cadmus. "'I'll see you tomorrow then,' said Typhon. "'Oh, yes, of course,' said Cadmus. "'She didn't really mean that, did she?' asked Michael. "'No,' agreed Nanny Piggins. But in her defence, Typhon was a terrible, murderous monster. Zeus was pretty terrifying as well, and she did have her trotters crossed behind her back the whole time, just to be on the safe side.' So when you think about it, she literally had to decide between annoying a hundred dragon-headed monster, admittedly with impeccable taste in music, and the king of all the gods who had kidnapped her sister. Anyway, she decided not to annoy Zeus, king of the gods. You may have heard the expression, two heads is better than one, but that just is not true. One head is way better than a hundred heads if those hundred heads breathe fire and have pointy dragon teeth. So Cadmus gave the sinews to Apollo, who rushed them back to Zeus. Zeus popped his sinews back in, and no, before you ask, no, I have no idea how he did that. He was king of the gods, so I just assume he knew more about orthopaedic surgery than anyone else in ancient history. Either that or he used magic. He was a god after all, so he had a few tricks up his sleeve. The next morning, when Cadmus did not return with a liar, Typhon realised he had been tricked. Also because there was a lightning storm up on Mount Olympus where Zeus was warming up for round two. So Typhon made a run for it. He knew Zeus would be really steamed about the whole stealing his sinews thing. So Typhon ran as fast as he could. His plan was to wade back across the Mediterranean, run across Africa and hide in Far East Asia again. But Zeus caught up with Typhon just as he was wading into the Mediterranean Sea. The fight was on. They wrestled and lunged and poked and punched each other. There were nipple cripples and wedgies galore. It was tremendously undignified. But Zeus was really well-rested, having not been able to move for a week due to his lack of sinews, and he was super cross that Typhon had played such a rotten trick on him. He threw thunderbolt after thunderbolt at Typhon until he totally ran out of thunderbolts, but he was still so angry, he grabbed the nearest thing he could throw. And since he was in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, the nearest thing to hand was the island of Sicily. So Zeus picked that up. Whoa, wait a second, said Samantha. The island of Sicily covers 25,711 square kilometres. She knew this because her geography textbook was open to exactly that page. Yes, and they didn't have the metric system back then, so it probably would have been even more, said Nanny Piggins. But Zeus was super strong and super angry. He lifted up the whole island and threw it at Typhon. Wow, said Michael. Typhon was pretty shocked to see an entire landmass flying towards his head, continued Danny Piggins. He didn't have time to run away. The whole thing landed on him boom, crushing him into the bottom of the sea. Oh, said Samantha. Typhon might have been a horrendous savage monster, but having a whole island fall on your head was kind of harsh. And that is how Mount Etna came to be formed, said Nanny Piggins. When Sicily landed on Typhon, he was such a huge giant it created a huge lump in the island, and that lump was named Mount Etna. And that is why Mount Etna is a volcano, because occasionally, even to this day, one of Typhon's hundred heads will let out a fire blast, shooting flame and lava up into the sky. The end. Time for bed. Cool, said Michael. That's a wonderful story, said Samantha, but I don't think my geography teacher is going to believe that version. I think he wants me to explain the formation of Sicily as it was caused by the global movement of tectonic plates. Well, you can talk about science and reality if you like, but it's much more tedious, said Nanny Piggins. Whereas if you write out the adventure of my cousin Cadmus, your teacher may give you terrible marks but he will actually enjoy reading it. And that is what is really important. And since Samantha had eaten so much Bugatsa at this stage, she totally agreed. And that is the end of the story. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed that one. I enjoyed researching it. It's always hard doing the Greek uh, myths because... The names can be hard to pronounce, and I get tongue-tied on long words like Mediterranean. But uh, I was going to put a recipe for bougatsa at the end of this episode, but I did all the research. I read up all these recipes, and they were all so different. And um, people were really adamant about it. it had to have this or it had to have that. And um, I was kind of scared of enraging uh, all the Greek yaya's out there with my ignorance. Yaya means grandmother in Greek. Um, So I thought it best to steer clear of that. But please do look up recipes yourself and give it a go. They do. It looks spectacular. I also had to think about doing cannoli, which uh, is a dessert from Sicily. And they did look really, really good and a lot easier. So I might do a recipe for that at the end of next week's episode and do a video and everything for you. But for now, that's it. Um, Until next time, goodbye.